You've got ideas, you've got ambition, you've got no time, or so you think. I'm Marissa Lonick, and I help busy moms with big dreams and no time. Join me each week as I dive into time management strategies, goal setting and achieving framework, and inspiring guests who are juggling mom life, work life, fill in the blank life. Dreams don't work unless you do, and just because you're a mom doesn't mean you can't still make it happen, whatever it means to you. Welcome to the Mama Work It podcast. Hello, mamas, and welcome back to another episode of the Mama Work It podcast. So glad you're here. Today, I am excited to introduce you to our guest, Anna Vucetic, founder of Balanced by Anna. Anna is a certified wellness coach and holds a master's degree in psychology. Anna helps women reach their health goals by assessing their underlying psychological issues first, which who here listening can totally agree that oftentimes your health and weight go hand in hand with what's happening on the inside. Today, Anna and I are going to chat about body image and how different and similar this can be for women from a cultural perspective. If you're an avid traveler like I used to be pre-kids, you will totally appreciate Anna's point of view on these topics as she has lived in a number of different countries and is going to share her real life, firsthand experiences with this as a mom, a woman, and a professional in the health and wellness industry. Anna, first off, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Marissa, for having me. This is like a treat. It's 8 p.m. It's COVID time. It feels like going out. <laughs> I'm having a blast with you. So, yeah. so um, thank you. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really honored. Awesome. Okay, well, first things first, tell us a little more about you, your background, and how you got started in this industry. Okay, so as you said, I have uh, two different degrees, and even before I jumped into you know creating my own business, uh, somehow wellness was always a part of me, partially because I just enjoyed it, and and partially because I was also struggling with it. So I was a very um, you know active child, and uh, I was always rather on the skinnier side. And then, as you have it, something changes, and then you become all of a sudden you know a young adult, let's say, um, and my body really rebelled and changed. Um, and that's when I would say from the age of 14, 15, my struggle started with dieting and trying to figure out, you know, how to reach a certain weight goal. Um, and also how to maintain it without constant, you know, restriction and suffering, which I never managed to do until very late 20s. So I would say that for 10 years, I was in a corporate business. I was, uh, as a psychologist, I was working in one company, in several companies. But at one point, I I got my degree as a coach. And then I sort of decided, okay, this doesn't make sense. I really want to do something that I'm passionate about and something that I needed, you know, 10 years, 15 years prior, and I never got that sort of help. So it was really a, a personal endeavor to, to uh, start this business and to really kind of focus what I, as a client 15 years ago, would have, you know, wanted and learned from, from a coach. I did it on my own. So 
that's why I, I just started something which potentially could help uh, not only mothers, but just like full range of women with or without kids. So Balance by Anna was founded seven years ago. And as you said, um, it, now also I work with clients from different countries, but I also live myself in different countries before and um, after kids. And so I kind of tend to, uh, let's say, also engage with the cultural differences uh, when dealing with these health issues. Yeah, I love that. I love that you, I mean, I don't love that you struggled with this, of course, but I like that you right. took the fact that you were able to get past this and you want to help other people who are in that place you were in. So Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I think that I, I really feel that once you've been through something and you can really empathize with your client, it's um, it's much bigger reward, I would even say, because you know what's on the other side of, you know, getting the help that you need and getting better. So um, now I feel fulfilled because I really feel I have a purpose when I'm doing this. Yeah. And from your client's perspective, you are a success story. So they yeah. see firsthand how possible it is to reach that other side, which is great. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, you intertwine psychology into your health programs mm -hmm. because you have this mm -hmm. background. So what effect do you think psychology plays when it comes to our eating habits? Well, I think oh, it, it plays a huge role. I mean, eating is, is a form of pleasure. Eating provokes emotions. Um, if you undereat, like let's start with this. If you undereat or if you overeat, it, it affects your health in a way where you, f you start feeling it, right? You feel unwell, uh, you're not healthy. And that's where usually we create quite negative associations with food. And this food made me sick or the lack of food made me sick. Um, so as a psychologist, we are often looking at the behavior and we're trying to understand what the person is doing and why they're doing it. So when we talk about eating, for me, it's very important to observe the behavior, what the person does, you know, when they do it, under what circumstances they're doing something like binging or restricting or whatever it is that they're doing. And then I'm also trying to understand the cognitive part, the mental part. So any thoughts that they're having, which are basically self-defeating thoughts, you know, I cannot do this. I'm not meant to do this. This is so hard. I will never be able to do this. I always fail. You know, I only lost five pounds. I have 25 more to go. I will never make it. So all these things, uh, usually negative, obviously, thoughts that are, um, well, not serving you, but also they are really pushing you away from the goal. So psychology plays an important part because the way we speak to ourselves conveys certain emotions and emotions become behaviors. And then behavior part becomes a part of who you are, you know, your personality, how you deal with certain things. So I am not a type of coach... I, uh, when I usually try to explain what I do, I say that I'm not an app. You know, I don't want you to give me your measurements, your desired goal weight, and then I just calculate something and say, you know, what do you like to eat and let me make a plan for you. Um, because I think if that worked, then everyone would be at the desired weight goal. Like everyone would just click on an app or find something online and, you know, they, they would reach the goal. But for some reason, people are yo-yo dieting all the time and going up and down and up and down. And there is 
a big part of it, which is very emotional um, or something more than just emotional eating, which is underneath. And this is what I'm trying to figure out first, because it's really working with those underlying you know, issues or traumas or beliefs about food, about their bodies, that I think that only when you work through those, you can, you know, maybe even check easy, easier, you can, you can reach these goals that you want to reach. Uh, without that, you are just on a roller coaster of dieting and then potentially gaining back the weight because you haven't learned how to deal with your emotions other than coping with food or heavy restricting because that's usually one of the mechanisms to deal with anything which is unpleasant in our lives. Um, so, yeah, for me, the psychological part comes first. Um, so we do quite a bit of assessments together. Uh, we analyze a lot of behavior on a weekly basis uh, to understand the patterns, to understand the triggers, to understand the thinking behind it before we even talk about desired weight. I think also one important part is to understand the why. I mean, no one asks this, like, why do you want to lose weight? And especially for people who are at a, let's say, normal range, you know, what are we chasing? What for? What's the purpose? For whom? You know, what will you gain? When you were at your lowest weight, how happy were you? So these things are very important. I think one very good exercise that always kind of, let's say, shocks people is that I always tell them, okay, find me a picture at your lowest weight when you were really happy about your weight, right? And so they find it and we have our session and then I tell them, okay, tell me a story about this photo. It's usually miserable. It's usually, I was severely restricting. I didn't have my period. I was unhappy. I couldn't participate in activities. I was, you know, avoiding socializing. I had the body. I had the number on the scale, but all the rest was a nightmare. So that these are some of the exercises that we do um, to kind of, match you know the the weight as a number uh and also like what's happening in the mind at the time so yeah yeah that's super interesting and i think most women can really relate here like no absolutely they have experienced some sort of emotional eating at some point in their lives mm -hmm. and you know i think even society like movies songs yeah. like so many things normalize that in a way yeah yeah, I mean, there is nothing wrong with it from once in a while. It's just like for you to learn that this is not the right way to cope with it. I mean, if you go to the movies, you're emotionally triggered to buy the worst food because it's there. Like it's, you know, the tacos, the popcorns, the ice creams, the chips. It's there. It's linked to that, you know, setting, right? And in movies, in songs, it's the ice cream, it's the bottle of wine, it's, it became a norm, you know? Just like with mommy's coping with wine every day. Is it normal? It's debatable, we can talk about it. But I don't have any issue with someone being like, oh, I would just like a piece of cake because it will feel so good. But consciously, you are aware that this is you giving yourself pleasure. It's not, I don't want to think about my problems, therefore I'm going to eat everything in sight so that I will not think. There is a big difference. And that's, that's also part of learning, you know, um, your hunger cues. Like, are you really hungry? 
you know, like physically hungry? Are you emotionally hungry? Are you stressed? Are you bored? Which one is it? Addressing this is like a first step because then you can say to yourself, okay, so I'm going to eat this just because my boss stressed me out. Is it worth it? Yes or no? It's up to you to, to see. So in general, there is nothing wrong with, you know, pleasure in food. I mean, if you go out with your friends, if you have a celebration, but that's why this doesn't happen every single day, you know, your birthday or some events or whatever. So I am not against it. I'm just uh, helping people be aware of their behaviors around right. food and around their emotions and that they're not numbing something much more serious that they don't want to address, you know, with food. Because, you know, uh, one out of three women will tell you how guilty and ashamed they were for overeating. Not because of their weight, but because of nothing has been solved by overeating on junk. You know, like the feeling is still there. The uncomfortable situation that you have to face or emotions are still there. And yet physically you feel ill, like because you just overate so we the reason why people do it over and over and over is because one is that they will they expect a different result uh, and the other one is because they really believe that that state of comfort quote unquote will give them some pleasure and release but it never does it just stresses them out more now they've got another problem to deal with of like not feeling well or feeling guilty about what they've just done or something like that yeah Okay. So I want to dive into now the fact that you bring such a, an interesting and unique perspective to your service because you've lived in a number of different countries. So tell us what countries those are first off. And then I want to know how the concept of body image potentially differed in those places. Wow. It's a good question. I lived, uh, I, I will just name the places where I would say that I was aware of this topic, uh, not when I was really a child. Okay. Um, so I lived in Portugal. Uh, I lived in Serbia, which is my uh, home country. Uh, now, currently, I'm in Estonia. Um, for a while, I was in the United States and then Middle East, uh, Oman, and also France. These are the longest uh, you know, trips that I've taken, so a couple of years or more. I was pregnant uh, mostly in the Middle East, two times, uh, and I gave birth in Europe, but then I would just come back. It was summertime, so I gave birth in Europe. It was not so hot, and then I would go back uh, to Oman, where I was living uh, for almost a decade. I would say, I mean, I noticed a big difference between Western countries. I, I would group them in three. I would say Western countries... Then maybe Estonia, like Nordics, Estonia, Sweden, these kind of places that I visited and now where I live in Estonia, and then Middle East. Um, when, when I got pregnant uh, and when I gave birth, I mean, I, I had an easy pregnancy both times. I gained like a normal amount of weight. I lost the weight super quick because I had a huge hormonal imbalance both times. Uh, they didn't actually know the first time. The second time we knew, so we kind of prevented uh, the imbalance of being too strong. So I lost all the weight plus some more. Uh, and I was really, really thin, like uh, thin, thin, thin. Uh, it wasn't a really good look. Um, my look was praised in Europe. 
when I lost all that weight and everyone was so fascinated that, you know, I could go back to my old clothes and that I looked like 10 years younger and, and, and technically I was suffering from a, from an imbalance. It was not normal to ever keep this weight on when, when, you know, when I would get well, I knew that. Um, so it was a little bit strange that you would receive this kind of comments. Some people were worried, obviously, but a lot of people also said, oh, you look great and you're so lucky. And that was the famous word. You're so lucky, right? In the Middle East, everyone was worried. Like there I was, I was considered sick. Uh, and the reason why is because culturally, um, culturally in the Middle East, uh, the concept of health is not associated with a super thin or slim uh, woman. It's more a curvy woman uh, who can carry babies. Okay, so like it's a very simplified view, but, uh, you know, larger hips, thighs, you know, um, bigger boobs, just like it's it's a sign of being healthy, being well fed. Uh, whereas the, you know, the 90s look in Europe, like super slim, like you look like a hanger or something, you know, like the supermodel runaway up until recently when also curvier models started to, to appear on TV in Europe or, or the States it was more uh, attractive to be slim or thin or however you want to call it, but definitely not curvy. So for me, um, I would say that in Europe, I noticed a very similar trend uh, in terms of diets. Like now we do paleo, now we do plant-based, now we do this detox. Like it's, it's very repetitive. Like if you go to France or London or Spain or Italy, you will see the same thing. It's not a big difference. We all are like a, like a small army, you know, like we follow exactly the same people online. We do the same things like, so health wise, there is not such a big difference. Um, I noticed, however, that here in Estonia and in general, in the Scandinavian States, there is a difference if I look at Europe and the main difference is that, and that was really weird for me, but I never heard anyone here comment on someone's body. It's, for me, it was fascinating. So I was like waiting for it, not just like as an expert, but because like I'm just used to it that, you know, we're going to talk about somebody or someone is going to say something. No one cares. You gain, you lose, you go up, you go down. It's more of a natural look that they prefer here. Less plastic, so to say, and more natural makeup, uh, clothes, whatever. Nothing is, you know, too tight or too fashionable. And with the with the weight, I noticed, I mean, I have so many friends here, uh, you know, foreigners and locals. We don't talk about weight ever. It's not topic at all. People exercise a lot here. Uh, there is practically you know, no obesity. They eat relatively, you know, healthy. Uh, but it's more, everything is with the purpose of being healthy. And I do believe that some of it comes with how kids are brought up here. Um, there is no shame around the body, you know, uh, there are a lot of events like going to the sauna naked where, you know, you can see your mom's body or, you know, your sister or whatever, different shapes and sizes from the age of, you know, five or 10 and all is in the, all is discussed in a way what is healthy and healthy eating rather than, you know, bad or, uh, fat or thin these words are not really used. I mean, I see with my husband's family, he's from Estonia. They don't use really these words. Like bread will not make you fat. You will never hear that kind of sentence here. 
maybe it's not super healthy, but you will not hear that it will make you fat and ugly and whatever. Unlike Europe, where, where I think that we follow a lot of trends, uh, we suffer quite a bit. We, uh, we tend to glorify people who are so disciplined and, you know, um, who can keep up with the diet and, you know, just uh, who have the perfect proportions. And these proportions are changing all the time, by the way. So, like, you know, before it was super slim, now it's more curvy. So you keeping up with the trends, it's, it's not easy if you want to be trendy. And it's not possible if your body type is just your body type, right? <laughs> I mean, listen, if you want to have a big booty, you're not going to have a flat stomach 100% and slim, like, and, and small. It's just for many people, it's not physically right. possible. And that's where, and that's, but that's where plastic surgery came in, yes. the picture, as something that took over everything and everyone and it, and it's now we all look the same <laughs> i mean you know from here down from face down so but in the middle east so now that's the third place um as i said like they prefer curvier maybe even on a more overweight even and as far as they know being thin is like being underfed so you know there is there is improvement to be done there as well but definitely if as an average european woman goes there they will say oh you're too skinny you know we need to we need to feed you a little bit um so of course i mean it's you will not convince a woman from the middle east that she has to be super thin it's it's almost impossible because it's not in the culture apparently men don't like it women don't like it so for them, it's more a sign of wealth and health and being fed and having money to feed yourself when you have a little bit extra on your body. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting how it differs. And I feel like in, in hearing that, I know I'm interested in living in Estonia now. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, that's so refreshing <laughs> to hear that it's not a consistent topic, right? It's not something women are no. stressed over, um, which varies mm -hmm. quite differently than here in the US, I'd say, right? It's it's in your face almost everywhere here. Yeah. No, here, I mean, even if you look at the, okay, it's a small market, obviously, but there are not so many coaches and so many products and so many ads, but that plays a big part. You know, you, the less you see these things, the less you think about it. But it's interesting here, if I spend some time with, with Estonian women, I mean, they will say, oh man, I gained two kilos. Oh, I will lose it. It's not a drama. You know, it's not self-bashing yourself. Like, you know, oh my God, you know, I don't look good and I need to start. No, it, it's really not like, it's like, okay, I will cut a little bit of these sweets. And it's a, there is a willingness to be better without harming yourself, without thinking bad of yourself. I think that's a big difference. And the more and more I coach women, I really struggle to, to struggle to kind of figure out the best way to explain them. And then finally, we somehow reach this point where it's not about improving. Improving is fine. It's about the thoughts that you have at your body at this present moment and while you're improving yourself. You have to accept where you are and not bash yourself along the way. Because it might be, it might take time, but like it's like loving the process and not, you know, killing yourself while you're trying to reach a certain goal. And maybe you will never reach it and realize, oh my God, this is not for me. It's too much work. I don't want to do it. And this is usually the model that I see here. It's okay. I will exercise a bit more. 
less a bit less wine and chocolate maybe maybe i just overdid it but it, it's not a big drama that now we're all gonna go on some crazy five-day detox and right yeah i could see how that could be super refreshing for someone who had been through so many years of that of like that beating themselves up over it to just end up in an environment where it was so low on the scale of topics that people cared about so yeah i mean and also like even if you are in an environment which is toxic let's say in that way it doesn't have to be the whole country it can just be your friends and family it's very difficult for you to heal in an environment that made you sick in the first place you know if you're around toxic people or people who are constantly dieting or picking on you or bashing you or giving you some you know negative feedback all the time I'm not suggesting that you need to change the country where you live in, but you need to do something about your environment, make certain boundaries, have certain talks in order for you to heal. Uh, Because it it affects us, you know, whatever people may say, how people perceive you and what they say about your looks and if it's changing, um, it affects you. So I would say that's when you kind of, you know, step back, see with whom you need to have a talk with whom you need to kind of maybe loosen up a little bit the conversation, you know, and and just try to heal like the environment where you are, you know, set. Is it work? Is it school? Is it, you know, whatever, but um, it's important to do it. Yeah. That's great because obviously not everybody listening here can just pick up and move. So good to know that there are options out there of, you know, how you would be directing Mm -hmm. them to, to make that environment a more supportive one for someone going through this. So yes, Anna, yes. you work with women internationally. Clearly many mm-hmm. Estonian women don't need this support, <laughs> as you've said. Um, no. So how no. do you incorporate the cultural effects from where they live into what I'd imagine is a pretty you know, consistent method of what you use for your clients across the board? Yeah. So it's very important to understand the culture uh, if you're not familiar with it, where your client comes from. And the reason why is because culturally there are some elements that influence the way we eat and the way we behave around food and body. So the body, we, for example, we, we talked about it. So, um, you know, um, imposing a certain body standard on a European woman versus a you know, woman from, let's say, Oman, I just don't do it. I focus on the health markers. I, I don't really care about your measurements. I just care that your blood sugar is fine. You know, your blood panel is good. You have the energy. You sleep well. Your digestion is fine. Gut is healed. We're good to go. But also in the process, uh, I find it quite interesting that let's say that you're trying to lose some weight. Uh, family, for example, plays a big role. Oh, you're missing family dinners, which are a must or you're eating differently from all of us, or whatever it is. Um, I either try to incorporate their cultural meals or, you know, whatever they eat and drink and make it a little bit of a healthier option, work on portion control, because let's be honest, it's not always the healthiest food, which is a traditional, you know, cuisine of some, some countries. So if you're trying to lose weight, we might have to work either on portions or we have to work on swaps. Uh, but also a very important part is discussing with, for example, your family, your partner, 
what are you doing? That's important because you will have, let's say, a pushback from maybe some aunts and uncles. Oh, you don't want to eat this food that I made for you. You know, you know, I mean, you know, you can have it, but you're not willing to have it right now. So this is where we discuss, okay, how you're going to approach this topic. What are you going to say to them? You know, because you don't want to say, okay, I'm on a diet. I don't want to eat your food. So you, and this is something that, that we work on because going out with friends or maybe, you know, your partner who likes to cook all the time and he's cooking all the time and you need to tell him, tell him to stop cooking without hurting his feelings, just like with your parents. This is all part of the program because you are not in a bubble when you are losing weight. You know, you're very much going to work. I mean, you know, usually going to work or, you know, meeting friends or inviting friends over and, uh, in order for you to feel comfortable around these people, it's very important to have these discussions. Listen, I am on some journey. I'm trying to lose some weight, feel healthier, and I would prefer whatever the setup is, rather than saying, I'm not hungry. Because I'm not hungry doesn't resonate with people that well. Everyone is hungry all the time. Everyone wants to eat pizza and you know ice cream. So then they will be like, oh, you're lying. And you, then you're entering in in a place where you need to defend yourself. I don't want my clients to feel like they have to defend their choices. You know, uh, they can say openly that, you know, they are working on something and this is what works well for them. And when they feel like it, they will, you know, enjoy some other foods as well. And, you know, usually uh, it happens that with friends, especially with with girlfriends, um, not everyone has the strategy, let's say, or the willingness to start moving in the health direction. So you can have a lot of naysayers and a lot of people who want you to be just like them so that they are not alone in their, let's say, maybe unhealthy habits of uh, drinking and smoking and eating junk food. Oh, yes. The haters. The haters are real. (laughs) The haters. The haters. Yeah, the haters. Like, you know, company loves misery or misery loves company, however you want to call it. It's, it's, it's also normal. You don't want to be the only person who is, you know, absolutely uh, ordering in every evening some junk stuff. So it's better if you have a partner in crime. So if we work towards reaching some health goals for aesthetic purposes or health purposes, whatever it is the case, I encourage, you know, these talks with the environment. Um, If you have someone who is really pushing their agenda to really figure out what would be the best way to explain them without hurting their feelings. And usually it works. People just need to be explained what's going on, you know, just not to be defensive. And the worst thing is you can say like, oh, you're eating so unhealthy. I don't want to eat that. You know, you're, you're not supposed to be in this mode of attacking or defend, you know, being defensive. Just say what's this thing that you're working on and let people decide for themselves. Because again, no one likes to be attacked that maybe what they're doing is not the right thing. Yeah, it's, it's not always pleasant conversation, but usually there is a little bit, uh, there is a relief once it's done. Yeah. And then you can start enjoying meeting up and. Yeah, that makes total sense. And then. I'd add, and I think you'd agree, you're hopefully trying to help your clients develop this into more of a lifestyle habit and not just a trendy fad to get to the weight they want to be only to gain it back, right? Or only to fall back into habits that 
are not serving them. So by explaining it in a way that's like, no, I'm making some shifts, you know, I'm, I'm trying this out. It's kind of setting up the stage for them to continue that long-term rather than, oh, this week I'm not eating bread or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, there's always a period where, you know, maybe you need to detox a little bit from a lot of the bad stuff you did to your body, but there is never a plan that I made that doesn't include their favorite foods. That's the whole point. The whole point is for you to learn that you don't have to restrict your favorite foods and therefore you will never binge on them. You start binging when you're restricting and you start thinking about food all the time, that particular food all the time. Uh, you know, people who say, I will never have bread and sweets. I'm like, I'm, who are you kidding? <laughs> of course you are. I mean, like, I'm never going to have pizza again. What do you mean? I want people to be aware that like now I'm hungry and these will be the best choices for me. And five days in a week I eat in a way which serves me. Like, and I, what I mean by that is nourishment. So nutritious foods, give me the energy. I sleep well, all is fine. Then comes Friday. It's fine. You know, one, two, three glasses of wine, slice of pizza. And it's fine tomorrow as well to continue on the plan because this will not change the scale or how your body feels. Okay. You might be a little bit hungover, but it will not change the perception of your body. I, ideally I make with clients, you know, the list of foods that they have put on a forbidden list, which is the list that I hate, but like they have this forbidden list of foods like cookies, donuts, you know, whatever I allow them eat because if you don't, there will be a time, which we spoke in the beginning, something bad will happen. You will be stressed out, sleep deprived. Your kid was up all night. Tomorrow you had to go to work and bam, you will eat a whole bag of donuts. It will happen for sure, because you will need some sugar dense foods, you know, to, to deal with whatever it is that you're dealing with. And it will be usually this thing that you're kind of pushing away. I 1000% agree with that. There has definitely been times in my life where I was restricting some of my favorite things right. um, to lose weight. Mm. And that is exactly what I would do. I would totally yeah. overdo it when Same. I allowed myself. So yeah. So now that I'm in a place where I allow that into my regular lifestyle, mm -hmm. I feel so much more in control of it. So, And it's so funny because people who know me, they'll be like, oh my God, you ate the cake. I don't know. They think that wellness coaches are like the food police or something. <laughs> I mean, we know what's healthy, but if I made a cake for Easter, I'm going to eat it. I mean, if I want to eat it, I will eat it, you know? But I know that if I, if I would say no, there is a chance that I would eat four pieces. And that's where this doesn't serve me. Four pieces don't serve me in any way. Right. Not emotionally, not physically, not in any way. And I will feel really ill, physically ill. So... Yeah, I think it's, um, but it, it's, it's baby steps, you know, you, there, and that's also why I'm like, not against, but I don't like people counting anything because it can get to your head, you know, uh, and also because you have people who are going to set themselves on a calorie, you know, daily energy that they can use and then who knows what they will eat because it fits the calorie count. Right, right. You know? I don't like to be so strict. Every day is different. Every week of our monthly cycle is different. Sometimes you crave more, sometimes less. 
and overall for your weight loss, the best thing you can do um, is cycle with your calories. That's how you're giving your body the permission to eat more, eat less, eat more, eat less, which basically means eat as you feel. Because you don't feel the same every day uh, with your needs. You know, like, did you work out? Did you sleep? Where are your hormones? Yeah. Stress levels? You know, so I, ne I would never put a plan where every day we're eating 2000 calories, you know. What if you're sick? You don't eat, you know? Yeah. Then the next day you will be more hungry. So so that's why I'm not so strict with foods and I'm not so strict with calories. I just want them to learn the principles and to how to allow themselves. And you allow yourself when you break these barriers of if I eat one cookie, I will eat a bag. I will not be able to stop myself. I am sugar addicted. I don't have control. These are thoughts that we work on. All right, Anna. Well, this conversation has been so interesting and so full of amazing and just, I feel like, really relatable information and tips. But we are ready now to move on to the lightning round. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so I'm now going to ask you some questions that are totally random, have nothing to do with your background and expertise, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more on a personal level. Okay, here we go. Sure, let's go. What is your go-to get shit done song? <laughs> I like uh, Uproar, Lil Wayne. All right. Yes. Love it. All right. This is a good one for you. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? And calories, bread. calories don't count. Bread. Bread. <laughs> bread. <laughs> Love it. Bread in all shapes and forms. Bread. Bread, bread, bread. What is the, okay, I'm going to ask sure. a follow-up question. In what country is the bread the best? I'm not going to offend my home country, so I would say Serbia. Because they make the best white bread. Okay, yeah. I love it. Yeah, you got you yes. to go with the roots yes. there. Serbia. Serbia, white bread, <laughs> fresh from the oven. Perfect. Okay. What is one app you cannot live without? I will exclude the work stuff because that's not important. I would say there is one really cool app. Can I say the name on the show? Is it okay? Oh, yeah. It's called Medito, M-E-D-I-T-O. It's a really cool app for meditation, sleeping. I listen to this app from time to time, especially if I go to bed late and then I kind of skipped my usual time and I have trouble falling asleep. I never listen to the end and it's only 13 minutes long. Therefore, it means I went, you know, I fell asleep before 13 minutes, which is cool. Um, I like that app a lot. Like it's for body relaxation, mantras for preparing you for a long, you know, night's sleep. It's really good. Medito. That sounds really yeah. cool. I'll have to check that out. All right. And finally, what's your cocktail of choice? Aperol. Aperol spritz. I mean. Oh, yes. I'm personally, I'm a Campari spritz okay. fan. Okay. But I do like an Aperol spritz yes. here and there. That would be a good one. I mean, it's summertime, so it's a good choice. Yeah. All right. Well, before we wrap up, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. So um, I would like everyone to come to my website, Balanced by Anna, with one N. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Facebook, LinkedIn, also Balanced by Anna, you can find me there. And I share all kinds of interesting tips and tricks. And um, on my website, you can also get my newsletter with some really cool freebies if you're interested. So I, I hope you join. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Anna, for being here and sharing all your expertise with us today. Thank you, Marisa, for having me. I had a blast. It was fun. You've been listening to the Mama Work It podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and would love if you could take a quick minute to leave me a review on whichever platform you're listening from and maybe even send a note to a fellow mama friend recommending it. Reviews and recs help this podcast grow and reach more like-minded, awesome moms. And if you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to click that button so we can stay in touch, girl. By the way, if you haven't checked out the Mama Work It website, please do. There are lots of free resources and great articles there that can help you with the juggle of work life, mom life, wife life, fill in the blank life. So head on over. Thanks again for being part of the tribe. I'll see you soon, but in the meantime, keep on working it, mama.